Hello, beautiful souls and limitless beings. Welcome to the Shamanic Soul Sisters with your host, Maria Jingris and Samantha Shea, where the discussions are multidimensional, courageously imperfect, and dynamically empowered with wisdom, compassion, humor, healing, and love. Now, here are Maria and Samantha. Beautiful Limitless Beings of Light, Maria here, back with our 11th episode of Shamanic Soul Sisters. 11, such a divine number, and we have such a divine chat for you. As promised, we are going to chat about the sacral chakra a little bit more this week because there's a lot to cover. Yes, episode 11 is going to be another goodie. So I'm Samantha from Branches, and if you're not familiar with what Maria and I do, it's we do a lot of shamanic practices. And so I'm going to start off with a story that can kind of give people an idea of how a shaman works with energy, how they shift energy and become aware of the power of energy transference, especially when it comes to the sacral chakra. So a few years ago, it's probably what, like three and a half, four now, Um, We were learning soul retrieval, which is really where you just go back to parts of you in other lives or in this life that are kind of frozen, right? Like their their consciousness is lower and they're frozen. So you go back and you um, see what happened and, and bring the pureness of that forward and to help them with their life now. So we had to learn how to do this. And in that process, we had to learn how to, um, release all of the parts we've quote unquote stolen. So energies that we have taken from other people very unconsciously, whether it be to protect them, like let's say you're a mom and your kid runs out in the street and you grab them and you're in fear that if every time a bus comes by, like they're going to get hit, right? That your child, this is an example, could freeze there or you freeze there because you're just trying to protect them. So you hold, you're holding on to the energy of like, let's say their freedom of like running or something. Right. So we have to, we had to go and talk to our guides and have our guides bring us to all of the parts we have stolen from people. And I don't even like saying the word stolen because we're not doing it in a malicious way. Sometimes there are energies that, um, do steal parts of you in, in a, not really a malicious way, but it's because they're coming from fear. Intention. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't think I've stolen any parts. Like I'm hopefully free as a chicken coop. Well, that's chicken coops aren't really free, but (laughs) (laughs) I digress. So anyways, so my guides bring me and I'm by this river And I was told to release all expectations. So I said, all right. I asked my soul retrieval guides, bring forth all of the energies of which I've stolen. And there were like, my parents were there, my grandparents, all of these. I had tons of patients that I had taken care of there because I remember like trying to keep them safe, trying to help them. So I was overcompensating, right? Not realizing that I was protecting them too much or something. So then I started to see all of the people that I have had sexual relationships with, whether just be kissing or more, or even like the the sexual, 
intimacy with somebody when it wasn't even, you know, penetration, but like the, the, the exchange of energy. And I was holding on to so many people. I was seeing them come right out of my lady area up as energy balls onto the raft that we then sent off and like did the ceremony to release them from me. So that's when I realized, wow, I can hold on to all of these people that I either knew for a couple hours or for longer, long relationships, short, but I was holding on to so many other people. And it made Maria and I, when we were talking about this, realize even more so the power of energy transference because it doesn't just happen when you touch somebody, right? Like if you're just touching somebody and you can transfer and you can shift that that energy and feel that person's mood, imagine what's happening while you're having physical sex with somebody, whether it be penetration or not penetration, just kissing. You're, you're exchanging energy. So I'm going to let Maria kind of go deeper into this because there's a whole genetic thing too that can happen. Yes. And um, I'm also going to just kind of backtrack a little bit when Sam's talking about soul retrieval, soul loss, soul stealing, right? Really what's happening is that we as the human just get stuck in the trauma. Like when we're saying stuck, it's like our ego part of the brain is kind of stuck in that trauma. And so we create um, like trauma bonds and trauma cords with other people. So that's really what happens when we're quote unquote stealing souls, stealing energy, energy transference is that we are co-creating an energetic bond with someone else. And when it's rooted in fear or trauma, mm-hmm. we um, that's when we get stuck, right? So when we are doing this shamanic practice of soul retrieval, we actually changed the name of it because- people were kind of freaked out when we talk about soul loss. And I I get that, right? It's all these words have these um, expectations and labels around them. And it's, we never lose our soul. Like our soul is that eternal aspect of us. And I think I've said it before. It's like, you can't lose your soul. So it's just the human gets so stuck in the human experience of trauma Mm -hmm. that we become very disconnected from that higher part of us, that spirit, that soul. So that's what happens with soul loss and soul stealing. It's very, very much done on an unconscious level. It's like how she was saying, oftentimes when we're overprotecting people, we are actually creating like a sort of a trauma bond with somebody because it's rooted in fear. That need to protect is rooted in our own fear. And so then we imprint it into somebody else. Mm -hmm. So when you start to really understand energy the way that she and I do, it's like, well, we're transferring energy even without physically touching. So what do we think is actually happening when we are having the most physical experience that you can have with somebody when you're having some sort of sexual relation, right? That is that is as physical as you can get with another person. So what do we think we're actually transferring back and forth to each other if it's not rooted in true unconditional love and that creative energy that we talked about last week? Most of our sexual relations are still rooted in trauma or we're carrying trauma down there that we're unaware of. So then when we um, we mingle, intermingle with somebody else, they're also carrying their own traumas down there, unconscious or conscious. And so you're literally like passing it back and forth. So when she was telling me this, like when um, she, you know, did the, whose parts did I steal? It's like, wow, I never, 
I never even thought of that because I look at them as like energy cords. I did a cord cutting ceremony a year ago. And a lot of that was, you know, here's all the energy cords you have co-created with people your entire life, right? And co-created. They It takes two to tango on any kind of energy cord that you create with other people. And so with the sexual aspect of it, as we discussed in the last episode, much of what we operate from here is trauma-based sex. It's not truly creating from that, that higher vibration, right? So as we mentioned in the last episode, we kind of dove into like what a dysfunctional sacral chakra looks like and how it, how it appears in our bodies. And so I just want to briefly cover what an actual balanced sacral chakra reflects. Mm -hmm. And so um, if you have a balanced sacral chakra, you are one creative you're, you have, you're in your creative flow. Um, you are passionate about everything in life, not just the physicality of life, not those, not just the material world, right? Like you're literally finding the joy and the pleasure in the simple things. Kind of like how Sam had said, like listening to the birds, like appreciating like the simple things in life. That's, that's meaning you have a, a balanced sacral chakra. Um, so you can feel joy for those little things, right? You have a good relationship with money. And we talked about this last week too, about the sacral chakra is all about relationships and relationships with money, with um, the just the external in general, but it also is our relationship with ourself, which I'll get into and in jobs, a little bit. Yes. Education. There's yes. so many relationships. Right. Like we, when you hear that word relationship, it's like we immediately think about like our partner, right? Like yep. our our spouse or our boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. It's like, but no, everything is a relationship when there's another individual or another energy that you're connecting with. That's a relationship, right? And mm -hmm. even yourself. And that's, that is the relationship that we all fail to really work on. And that's unfortunate because if that is solid, all of our external relationships are also a reflection of that. Um, another, another sign that your sacral chakra is balanced is that you're aware of your sexual your sexuality and you're not afraid to express it. Mm -hmm. Like you you know like you own it, you know who you are and you're not you're not living in fear of how you show up. You don't really care how you're being perceived by the outside world because you are comfortable in your own skin and with your own sexuality. So you're not afraid to express it. And then the final thing is that you are able to connect intimately with others and mm -hmm. that word intimate is very very important because yeah just like everything, we have a perspective that intimacy means that there is physicality in it. And again, that's how we've been programmed is that intimacy is sex, right? And sex is the physical act of, of sex. And intimacy really is just being able to meet people on a very deep level or meet yourself on a very deep level, like beyond the physicality. It actually transcends the physicality. It's it's being able to get deep, right? And so if you have a balanced sacral chakra, you don't um, live in fear of having deep connected relationships with other people. You don't have walls up, right? You are open to giving and receiving intimacy. And intimacy, again, can be expressed in so many different ways. It is not just the physical act of sex, like we have been taught to believe. Um, so that is really kind of just a good overview of what a sacral, what a balanced sacral chakra feels like and looks mm -hmm. like. So and I, I was looking up intimate because I was 
curious because like every word has deeper <laughs> meaning. Yeah. And it's interesting because it says having a very close relationship, a very warm, safe, and friendly relationship. All right. And if we grow up where don't talk to strangers. Yeah. I probably shouldn't really talk to a lot of people nowadays, but like if you grew up in this fear of let's say going over to your neighbors because you know you want to borrow something, right? If you if you grow up and you don't know how to have communication with people that are outside of your family because you don't know how to even have healthy communication based on what's going on in your family, it's very hard for you to develop those friendships that are warm, that are safe, and that's that intimacy. And we grow up in a world most like well, I grew up with TV, right? Like internet came later, but, um, now it's all at the fingertips of every, every generation. Right. And all that's on TV is relationships being blown, like thrown at us. If you like sit back and just observe something, it's like different relationships, the, the roles that are being played out. It's like intimacy literally gets skewed into specifically physical sex, not feeling safe and having literally that communication with people and with marriage like if you're in a marriage with somebody who you don't feel safe with and like you have kids and you're showing them a very dysfunctional love because you're staying in that relationship out of fear and all that's doing is throwing is making your sacral chakra even more blocked because you're not allowing your emotions to flow because you don't feel fully safe in your skin. So your kids can feel that. I grew up in a in a family where they loved me very much, but there was a lot of dysfunction. Like, and now my parents are like best friends, right? Like, which is really cool to see. But growing up, there was a lot of like, you know, arguing. So I had this idea and this image of like dysfunction. Like, okay, well, you scream at each other and you yell and you call each other names, but then you like, and you do it to us, but then you tell us you love us. Like it was just a very like confusing time. But I know my parents were only at their own level of awareness. Right. And it's like, but I watch other relationships and I'm like, wow, like if you're doing that with your partner, who's supposed to be your intimate, safe relationship and your kids look at you as your, you are their beacon of light. You're teaching them to follow in the same, the same energy. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. And we have a lot of clients. I personally have a lot of people that come to me like, can you tell me about my relationship? It's like relationship with what? And they're like, a a partner. I want a romance. It's like, Mm -hmm. so let's look at first your relationship with self because that's number one. Because otherwise you're going into another relationship to feed something within you that feels not there, feels empty. And that needs to be loved because we grow up in a society where like we don't really know what love is from going yet going when we talked about Disney to what we watch in TV and to everything. Like it's we have a distorted version of what intimate relationships are and it's, it's all affecting our sacral chakra, which is all of our creativity. Like it's insane. Yep, absolutely. And Again, that word relationship, it's we immediately go to it has to be with something or someone outside of us. Mm -hmm. And Sam and I coach a lot of different people. And 
um, like she's saying, we also get a lot of people that come for readings about their love life, but they're, it's always about a partner. Like they, they are completely failing to see that they don't love themselves. Right. And that that is the number one relationship that needs to take priority first, because when that's solid, when you have a solid relationship with yourself, when you can get intimate with yourself, and I don't mean like masturbating, right? Like, I mean. But you could do that, you know, because it's good to love yourself. Correct. But correct. you know what I mean? There's other ways. <laughs> yes. That's, but that's not what I'm referring yeah. to in this. I'm meaning like, can you get real and honest with yourself mm-hmm. about all of all of these things, all of these things that you you hide from the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Can you actually address it with yourself? Most of us can't. Most It's uncomfortable. And I think I said in the last episode, like I didn't even want to like address my sacral chakra, knowing that it had to do with like sex stuff. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know. I don't even want, like, I don't want to go there with myself. Like if I can't go there with myself, then how can I ever establish and co-create those very intimate relationships with other people if I can't even talk about it with myself, right? That's what I'm talking about. Like, can you get intimate with yourself? Can you get real with yourself about the things that bring you pleasure? How do you, how do you perceive even that word of pleasure? What does Mm. pleasure mean to you? Does it mean that you have to seek some sort of vice external to you, whether it is sex or food or alcohol or gambling? Like, do you need Mm. something outside of you to bring you that pleasure and that joy? Because if you do, then you're actually lacking a very solid relationship with yourself. Because when you start to build that, and I only know this from my own personal experience of having a very toxic relationship with myself, and then recognizing that a lot of my external relationships were um, also toxic because they were mirroring how I felt about myself. And that's one of the biggest questions that people come to me with. It's like, why do I keep attracting these same men into my life? Why do I ch- keep attracting crazy women into my life? And it's like, well, like, how do you, how do you first like see yourself? Because again, everything is a mirror or a reflection mm-hmm. of what you're carrying internally. So that is why having a solid relationship with self has to be a priority before you can ever co-create what it is that your ego is seeking in someone else. And that is why I feel like marriages in general um, fail because there is an expectation that our partner is supposed to provide our happiness, Mm -hmm. that they are supposed to actually make us feel a certain way because we haven't been able to to find that feeling within ourselves, And so there's all these expectations on the other person and that that's unfair to the other person. It's unfair to ourself. And so then there becomes this disconnect in communication in a lot of marriages and not even just in marriage, just in relationships with, with other people. It's like, we have an expectation that they're supposed to make us happy, that they're supposed to bring us joy. They're supposed to bring us pleasure. And Again, it's just how we've been taught to be. And it's how it's like how Sam's saying, when you grow up in a any sort of a toxic or dysfunctional environment, which I would say majority of us have, mm-hmm. because again, it's passed on from generation to generation. It's not to say that our parents are bad people or it's it's literally what's been passed along mm-hmm. because of the matrix programming. But when you grow up in that, that's all you know is normal. That's what you know to be normal. 
And then when you watch everything on TV that is literally promoting dysfunctional, toxic relationships, you're like, oh, well, then this is normal. Mm -hmm. So that's how you show up in your relationships. But yet then you're still seeking. You're constantly seeking, seeking, seeking. Why am I unhappy? Why, Why am I never finding the right partner? Because you're supposed to create that right partner inside. And then you find your mirror of that outside of you. And then you get to actually co-create together happiness. I'm not saying other people can't add to your happiness, right? Like, of course they do. You have a appreciation for them, a level of gratitude that you don't have for them when you don't have that for yourself. If you don't have that that gratitude for self first. And this is one of the biggest things that she and I have noticed in coaching. You know, we have people do journal work and we talk about like, you know, relationships with other people. And it's like, and then we'll ask them, who do you love? That's Mm -hmm. one of the biggest first things that she and I both ask. Like, who do you love? Who are you grateful for? They never, nobody has ever once said themselves. Mm -hmm. We have to coach them to realize, first of all, that they're not even on the list. And then it's like, oh, wow. I didn't even think about me. It's like, yeah, that's that's the problem. <laughs> right. It's it's you that did that thought didn't even cross your head like that I'm missing off the list. I'm not grateful for me. So then I work with them on finding the things that they can be grateful for about themselves and recognizing like you're lacking a lot of self-love. And it's mm-hmm. it's one of the exercises I actually started giving to people and it's because I did it for myself. I have them pick their favorite love song. And then I have them print out the lyrics and sing it to themselves in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Because we're always loving love songs because we're usually dreaming about the other person like that we want. And it's like, now I want you to sing that love song to yourself because I guarantee you that entire song is going to have so much, a completely different meaning to you. Mm-hmm. You'll never listen to those words the same way. But that's who you should be singing the song to is yourself. That's how you find that true love in other people because you have that again, that's that energy, that's that law of attraction. We're attracting certain experiences and people into our life because they are a mirror of our fears, our insecurities, or they're a mirror of our abundance, of our love, of our gratitude. So it's it works both ways. But if you can start to see that. That's why we are creating, that's why we're attracting these certain experiences. It's because there is a serious, serious lack of self-love. So where do you think that since we started off this conversation about imagination, where do you think it began where we begin to disconnect from the relationship of self and start having our our belief that the relationship from self comes from all of the external. Where do you believe that begins? I personally think it starts pretty young. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I don't think we are aware that it's, it's already kind of starting. Cause you know, they say those first seven years mm-hmm. are our most influential. So I feel like, again, I feel like it, it depends on the individual because it does depend on the environment you grow up in. Yeah. So if you grow up in an environment where you do feel some sense of security and safety and you do see healthy interactions, right, it may not affect you right then. It, you may not start adopting a perspective of dysfunctional relationships. But once you, I do feel once you start to enter school, once you're in school, that's when, because that's when you are starting to intermingle with other people 
who have had their own experiences in their families. So now you're starting to like see externally the the different walks of life. So I think that that is when it really, I do feel like when you start school is when it really starts because that that's also where the program programming begins intentionally as well. Because when we're kids, like, and you said in the, in episode 10, that like our imagination is like, it is our creation, right? And our imagination is really just us connecting to energy and or quote unquote spirit guides or because the veil is so thin. So like imagination is really spirit, like, and it flows through us all the time. And so when we're growing up and we're told we're around us, it's like our imagination keeps being shut down or we're handed a toy when we're trying to be creative, right? Like playing like um, cowboys and Indians or like running around or like Barbie dolls, nothing that is like an electronic, right? We're, we're like, we're playing with things, but we're told to shut it down or we're too loud or whatever. It starts to, I feel like bring in that disconnection of to spirit because now we're like almost feeling shamed by using our external environment, using nature, using like, you know, different things that are just naturally in our environment to continue that creation, right? Like co-creating is not just with other people. It's with nature. It's with like everything that's here, like co-creating, like loving everything that isn't just something that needs to be bought, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I have this thing over here and you guys can't see, but like I have this thing over here that talks about exactly what the sacral chakra looks like. And it's interesting because it sh- it says that, you know, it's a circle with six petals around it and there's a crescent moon in it. It's the water chakra. Um, but the six petals in, in spirituality actually signify um, our, our impulses our ideas and powers of imagination that stimulate our minds. So going into what do you want to call an orgasm or, you know, something very pleasurable is an orgasm. Basically you can receive a beautiful amount of pleasure by joy and feeling safe through using your imagination, through having a deep stimulating conversation with someone else where it's like, whoa, time just freezes. And you're in this like safe area. It happened today when we were in, we were in a store, actually. We were all just having this conversation and it was just like stimulating. You're like, wow. So, like people walked by us, but like, it was like, we weren't there. Mm-hmm. It was wild. And we were all like, time just stopped because we were just talking. We were, we were allowing ourselves to be without any pressure, but we were like co-creating, but like, I don't even know how to explain it. We were like in what I would refer to as like flow. Yeah. Like true flow state in the sense of like there really wasn't a lot of intellectual thinking being done Mm -hmm. in the conversation. It was like we were connecting dots and like we were also in Hobby Lobby. So we were literally (laughs) in like creation land. Yeah. Right. So it was like I think it it, that happens to me every time I go in that store. It's like I almost get on this like creative high because it's like, oh, my God, look at all these things that I can make that like. A couple of years ago, I would have never even tried. I'm like, I'll just buy it. I'll just buy it on Amazon. I'll just buy it. And it's like, <laughs> wait, now I can just like make these things and for a lot cheaper. But like, <laughs> and now I get to actually put my energy into it. Like mm-hmm. it, it's a whole new, it's like a whole new experience and it's fun and it's joyful. And it's like, 
this is pleasurable. Like this brings Mm -hmm. me pleasure. Like Mm -hmm. these little, like these little acts that seem like, oh, great. You're like, cool. You're doing arts and crafts, but it's like, yeah, but this is like fun. Like Mm -hmm. I'm getting to like use my imagination again as an adult and, and create something that then I'm going to give to somebody. So I've like imprinted it with my love and that like, that gets me excited. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like that's excitement. That's, that's, you know, if you want to use the word like orgasm, it's like that to me, that's orgasm is just like your physical body excited, like excited. And it's like your mind is stimulated. That's why they say like in, in the act of it, you actually go into almost like a meditative trance like state because you're not thinking like Mm -hmm. in that moment of the orgasm, like you're not actually in your thinking mind. They would, would you read like it basically your ego suspends for that? Yep. Your ego literally like dissolves for that moment of whether it be like climax orgasm or a very euphoric. That's a good word. State. Yeah. That's what it is. It was like euphoria and you can have, um, quote unquote orgasms or euphoria, mostly when you're sleeping. I read it in a study earlier. Um, because you're in such an imaginative state and your thinking mind is actually resting. You're suspended. Yeah. And you're just traveling. Like that's when I read that, I was like, wow. Like I do love dreaming. So (laughs) (laughs) it's true, but that's where we think like it has to be a physical experience. And I think that that's like, it ties in with what Sam was talking about last week. Like we live in a material world. And we're a material girl. Thanks, Madonna. (laughs) But it's like we are still seeking physical experiences to bring that energy of pleasure and joy into us. When that energy already is in us, it's like buried under uh, limiting beliefs and fears and traumas and and other people's energies and program, like it's, it's buried, but it's already in there. It's, it's kind of like digging your way through all those layers to remember like, oh my God, I, I am the creator of my reality. I'm the one that creates pleasure. I, I decide what brings me joy, but it's like, we can't, we can't recognize that until we kind of go through the layers of the programs or the beliefs that we actually trained our mind to convince us that it brings us joy and pleasure because of how we see the world. It's how we've been shown like that we need all of these things external to us to bring us that happiness. And it's like we were saying too, I think even in the root chakra episode about like, you know, this, all these beliefs around money and success and we're still constantly seeking that outside. But how many people I meet that on paper, I would say are very successful because Mm -hmm. they've got the big, they've got all the money in the world, but yet they feel so empty. They Mm -hmm. feel so lost inside. So disattached from their own emotional awareness and self-identity because they're identifying with everything in the material world. Right. And as we all know, everything material is fleeting. It's mm-hmm. t- t- everything here is temporary, but it's like those highs that we get from those things are so quick. And that's why we end up using them as vices because it's like it o- that high only lasts for the three hours we're sitting at the slot machine. That high only lasts for the time I'm smoking this joint. That high only lasts for when I'm like climaxing, right? And then it's done. And then we're back in our body in a sense and we're like, okay, so like now what? Now Mm -hmm. what? 
Yeah. Now what? Like that was great, but like now what? Oh, let me grab another vice. Let me let me grab something else that's going to bring me that pleasure. But that becomes exhausting because we there's a part of us that knows it's it's just like you I think said last week. It's just a band aid. It's just a like a quick fix. It's literally just a quick fix, and then it's like the majority of the time we're not happy. We don't feel fulfilled. We don't feel imaginative or creative because it's like all right, like now what? Yeah. Now it's next. And I feel like it's, it all comes back into like power too. And like how we equate being powerful or being successful by what we have, but also like our status. Right. And I just keep thinking about sports, like Mm. growing up, we are literally made to compete against each other. Like talk about a relationship, right? Like your relationships to activities, to exercise, to sports, it's like, all competition. It's all competition. All. And the Seiko Shark is about sharing. That's right. It's about sharing. It's about co-creating. But if we grew up in a society where it's like, well, if you don't start throwing the ball, you're not going to be, you're not going to be able to fulfill my dream of being the baseball player that I couldn't do, right? Like, or um, like if you're not seen as the best on a team, like then everyone else, like they're always trying to be the best. They can no longer just play the the game for having fun. And I remember I would try all different types of sports, but like I was always in this like comparing with like other like, well, I can't get there because like they're like really good. So I'm just going to give up because I know that I'll never be that. And apparently that's like that that's that's acceptable, right? Like I had this 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 view that if I wasn't the best, then why do it, right? Like, and if I wasn't having fun because I don't, I'm not looking the same way as that person, then I'm not going to do it. I was disregarding when I was having fun. And even though I wasn't the best at it, I then like let my ego get, get loud and be like, well, you're not having that much fun because you're never going to, you're always, you're still comparing yourself. So I would quit all these different things. I used to love to swim. Like I was the best backstroker ever. Like I could never, but I could never do like the flipperoo thing. The nose would just go, the water would just go right in my nose that I stopped. Cause I was like, F this, like I, and it would slow me down. So rather than working on it and doing what I love to do, I gave up because I was like, well, I just got beaten that race. I'm going to give up. And it was like, acceptable to give up because my, my, I love my parents because there was like, they wanted me to do things, keep trying different things, see what made me happy. But I was giving up on the things that did make me happy because I wasn't the best. Because I also had people that I grew up with, like not just my family, but parents of other people that was like, if what you're doing right now isn't the best of it, as in like, oh, you're going to be, you're going to school to be a nurse. So then you're going to be an NP oh, you're going to school for this. So like, you're not going to go to school and get that now. It's like nothing I did was good enough to anybody else. So when I decided to make changes in my, uh, my education, I went to like three different schools. I would have a plan executed before telling my dad, like, Hey, I'm going to leave the school now and do this. He's like, okay, I trust you. Because like I was learning my own compass, right? I was like learning like, okay, this no longer makes me happy. I was doing this because I saw everyone else doing it. So I thought that's what I should do. And it brought me down this like rabbit hole of like self-awareness and acceptance. And 
the only person I'm really competing against is myself. Like, why am I trying to value my worth by that gymnast over there? Right? Like, so messed up. And I realized it made me shut down the things that I love doing, which was drawing. I used to make these little like clay pizzas because my dad owned Domino's Pizza. And I would make these little clay pizzas and I love doing it. And I would draw out all these designs of like these houses I want to design one day. And I was like, it brought me so much joy, but I would shut it down and shut it down because it's not something that would make you successful, quote mm-hmm. unquote. Mm-hmm. And Just it's like, like, the fuck? Exactly. <laughs> Because again, it's like these expectations put on us through society, but also, you know, our parents who have fear about, are you going to have enough money to survive? Like Mm. I knew a lot of people that like wanted to be artists, you know, like go to art school after high school and stuff like that. And there was this belief, like, good luck to them. that like, they're going to live on the street kind of thing. Right. So it's like, wow, shame the imagination again. Like, and when I actually feel like artists are very tapped in to spirit and energy because they they are really in that creative flow. And again, like Sam was, that is spirit coming through us, being creative like that. And the competition piece, I mean, that is, I think we can all relate to that on some level because it gets carried into our our adulthood. It's we're competing for jobs, we're competing for promotions, we're competing for roles where it's like everything is a competition and Mm -hmm. that was created that way purposely to create separation amongst us. When again, if we have a balanced sacral chakra, we we want to co-create with other people, we want to share, we want to have those intimate relationships. But if we're being programmed as children that you have to be a certain way in this um, this sport, you have to excel. And if you don't, you're either not going to get played, like you're going to sit on the bench. So now you feel like shit. Oh, mm-hmm. well, great. I'm part of the team, but like I never get to play. And that starts very young because I, like Sam, tried a lot of different, you know, sports and I was never like there are some people that are just naturally born with the gift of being able to be very athletic, right? Mm -hmm. And I wasn't, like I had to work at being good at. And so for me, I never really got pleasure from it. It's kind of similar what you're saying. It was like, it's like, I look at all these like natural born freaking athletes, like, and isn't this supposed to be like fun? And like, this isn't fun because everybody's taking winning so seriously. Yeah. So it's like I'm putting all this pressure on myself. Or like scream at you if like you messed up. Like, what are you doing? You don't want to throw a ball? It's like, dude. Like, yeah, exactly. It's (laughs) like I thought like this was supposed to be just like something fun. And it isn't fun. Like (laughs) everybody's taking it so seriously. Like Mm -hmm. a game, like it's a game. Like how many times you hit, oh, it's just a game. But it's not in our society. It's not just a game. And that starts very young. Like Mm -hmm. I played t-ball like – before I was even in kindergarten, right? And you even see it then. And a lot of it, like Sam was saying, I hate to say it, but it comes from the parents ingraining it into the children because either they didn't make the cheerleading squad or they didn't become the star quarterback. So now they're going to try to live vicariously through their children. So it's like they're they're feeding that competitive energy amongst all of us. Which is taking away the kid's identity if the kid doesn't like doing that. So they do it out of fear that the parent would be mad if they didn't continue. Right, right. And again, so we're trying to fill these these roles, these expectations. And I actually credit you for, you know, you were talking about how 
you went to this school, that school, I, I similar, I did a lot of that too. And it's like, society would say that that makes us indecisive. We're mm-hmm. lost. We're lost souls. When the irony of it is we're actually trying to find ourselves. We are actually mm-hmm. following resonance. And I talk about this a lot with clients when you start to really do that inner work and start to understand energy, like your desires will shift. Your what you find pleasure, what you once found pleasurable, you won't anymore. But now you open up to all these new things that you never would have tried before because you're changing, you're shifting. You're releasing those societal expectations and programs and labels and starting to like, wait, I'm starting to learn me and what lights me on fire. What what is what am I passionate about? I ask so many people that, like, what are you passionate about? And they literally like look at me. I have no idea. They ha- it's almost like they don't even know what I'm asking them. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you've never thought about it, right? Like you they're like And I like I've learned to like switch that question to to like do like a little meditation where I'm like, all right, go into your future and I bring into like a little quick trance and I'm like and Envision your calling your highest self, like in the quote unquote future, right? What are the two emotions you in the future is holding right now? Oh, I love because that. that's what you need to bring in and harness in. So you're going to use those two emotions as your compass now. Like if whatever you're doing is not fulfilling one of those two emotions, it's not for you. Mm-hmm. Like you've already seen you in the future. So if you really want to be there, you're going to fulfill those two emotions. And all of a sudden their life's like start shifting. They're like, whoa that does not make me happy right? or that doesn't make me safe. And like some person said prosperous. I was like, okay, so what does prosperous mean to you though? Like what is the feeling in your body mm-hmm. of prosperous? And I remember her being like, oh my God, down here, like in my lady parts feels very warm and tingly. I go, "What? so what's that mean? She's like, excited? Like what, is, what, what chakra is that? And I go, that's your seat of creativity. That's your sacral chakra. And she's like, whoa, so cool. And I was like, yeah. So now use your body as a compass. If anything doesn't give you those, like those little butterflies in there, it's not for you. Mm -hmm. Like use the tools, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But we're never taught like to once pay attention to our emotions. Listen to our bodies. (laughs) Listen to our bodies, right? Like it's just insane. It is. It is. Because we don't know what pleasure is. Right. Right. At all. Right. And what's interesting too is like, I had this friend, this girl that I was very close with. I only had a few friends in high school, like female friends that like I felt secure with. Um, And I remember when I left uh, Florida fashion design school and I was trying to go to Massasoit for my prereqs working at the strip club, I went and hung out with her. And I remember her saying to me, you're going nowhere in life. I cannot be friends with you. My family will not accept you working in a strip club. I was like, I don't, I was like, seriously? And so I lost her as a friend. And I was like, but now she uh, comes to me for services. So it was interesting because I followed myself. And then she, I remember her apologizing to me many years on the road and was like, wow. I was like, oh yeah, those words have followed me because it's like, I'm going to prove to you. I'm going to make something of myself because I'm not, I'm not staying in this place because my parents don't pay for my college tuition. So like, I'm not going to stay in this place where I'm not happy. Like, F that. Like, I'm I'm transitioning and I don't, yes, I don't know where I'm going to go. But I'm accepting the unknown right now. Because what was there wasn't making me happy. It wasn't pleasing me. It wasn't making me feel safe. Mm-hmm. And I was 
20. So I guess I've been quite wise, but like in that moment, you don't, you're just like, fuck, I don't know where I'm going to be. Like, I don't know. And the same happened with nursing when I was passionate about nursing. And then I was no longer, I was like, Oh my God, what do I do with my life? Like I am 28. Oh my God. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Cause what you, when you were saying that it was making me think of when I decided to leave my nursing job, there's a part that almost feels like you, you yourself, not that anybody's doing it to you, you feel guilty. Cause it was like, but I thought this was who I was. Like, I thought this is what I'm supposed to be here doing, but yet it is not, it does not feel fulfilling to me. And I don't feel like I'm serving in it anymore. Mm -hmm. Like I actually don't feel aligned with it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important to mention because as individuals, as we do go through these shifts and start asking ourselves the whys, like I had said before, Mm -hmm. why do I like doing that? Why did that bring me passion? Did it actually ever really bring me passion? Or again, did I program my mind to believe it did because it's it's meeting the expectations. It's meeting the expectations of my loved ones, my friends, society, right? Mm-hmm. Did I actually ever really like it? I don't think I actually did. And then that that goes into like what Sam's saying, check in with your body. You can literally ask your body. <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> did I did I actually like that? Mm-hmm. Or was that just a a program? Mm-hmm. And it's like your body will react. Your body will give you the answer that you're seeking. And it's, it's the more you practice that, that's why, you know, a couple episodes ago, we talked about why it's so important connecting with our bodies, because they're such an intelligent um, vessel that's mm-hmm. constantly talking to us through energy, through emotions, through thoughts, but yet we are on autopilot so much that we're numbing it out. We're not hearing it, but it, there's so much guidance from the body. And the mm-hmm. more you ask your body. What brings me pleasure? What brings me joy? What do those energies actually feel like in my body? Not what somebody else tells me it is. Not what some not what I perceive joy to be in someone else. What does that energy actually feel like in me? Mm-hmm. Because then when you can you can discern that, then as you try new things, as you branch out, as you start to follow resonance and maybe on the outside look very scattered to people because when you actually follow resonance, meaning you're following your energetic pulse, it's shifting all the time. Our energies are shifting all the time. And the more we grow and evolve and release these these traumas, these fears, these programs, we start to shift, uh, like what I was saying before, what we, what we enjoy doing. And so mm-hmm. what I liked doing even a year ago, some of those things I don't like to do anymore, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But from an external perspective, I could look like I am indecisive or I don't know where I'm going in life when in the irony is, is I'm like, no, I'm actually just following my energy, my resonance, what feels aligned. Because if I continue to evolve and understanding energy, knowing as I'm evolving, the energy in me is shifting. So of course, the things in the external that I interact with are going to shift. That's how it works. So Give yourself some grace as you do start to question these things about yourself and then start realizing things that do bring you joy. Like, don't feel like anything ever has to be forever. That's such a limiting belief of this matrix that, like, we pick a job and that's what we're supposed to be in forever. We pick this and that's what we're supposed to be in forever. That's not 
necessarily the case because as we shift into who we actually are and break out of the facade of who we thought we were, that's all going to change. And that's one of the scariest things I think we go through because all this fear comes in that all of these things we were attached to, as we talked about in the root chakra, all these things we were attached to, now we're afraid we're going to lose them because we're no longer who we were a week ago, a year ago, five years ago. So what happens with our external relationships? Oh my God, what if they're not there anymore? Which is why having that solid relationship with self is so important because the fear of that won't come up for you anymore. You won't have attachments. You won't have those energetic cords that we talked about because it's like now you are in, you're so much in your authenticity, your your truths, your knowings that what is going on externally doesn't have as much of a controlling effect on you. It doesn't mean things don't still affect us because everything's energy, but it no longer has this like control over you and how you show up and then what you're picking to do for a job because, well, that's that's going to make mom and dad happy if I do that job, right? And I hope young people listen to this because you guys are really the most impressionable. And when I say young, I mean like, you know, adolescents and young adults that are still trying to find what what does bring you joy, mm-hmm. right? There's nothing wrong with you if you don't, like if you don't want to go to college, there's nothing wrong no. with you. Like, because then nothing. you can use your imagination and go where you want with it. Yep. Like seriously. And I'm going to throw in this story because I feel like it's very pivotal right now. That's not even a word. Pivotal. 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 Thank you. Thank you. So when you really start diving into your creation, you really start making up your own words. Um, Sam likes to combine words. I do. I do. (laughs) All of my parallel lives together in one. So when I going into the relationship of money, right, the attachment and then um, shifting perspectives around something. So when I was getting, when I was working as a bartender in all, for 10 years, I love the fast cash, right? But it was coming from me, like I was still able to use my personality, but it wasn't, I wasn't in service. I wasn't, I wasn't happy, right? I thought I was, but like it was, it was a, an immediate gratification, right? Boom. Then when nursing, it was like, oh, if I want to go on this trip or I want to do this, I have to work more, right? Because I need more things. So I was then, in order to get this pleasure outside of me, I had to work more and become more tired and more disconnected from self. When I decided like, okay, I'm going to do my business full time. Maria believes in it too. Like, gung-ho, here we go. I remember when I got my first paycheck, quote-unquote paycheck, from one of my clients who signed up for... 27 sessions with me, literally a month after I signed on six clients, right? But they didn't all pay in full. Now, people, I, when I got that check in the mail, and I think it was for like, I don't know, like $5,000, I, my body had this very visceral, I felt like I was being hugged by a, like a warm, I, I can't even explain the feeling that came over my body when I saw that check. I was like, oh my God, someone believes in me because I've believed in me. This th- this could be $5, right? But it was almost $5,000. I was like, and all I have to do is continue to show up for me so I can show up for them. This is what an energetic exchange of passion feels like. 
holy shit. Like, so it was another layer of financial awareness. Like, okay, I can be, and I have to be in the financial system because I'm a human, right? right. Like right. we need money to survive. Right. Right. Like we need a house. We need Wi-Fi. Like we need, there's stuff we need. Well, right. Like we need it. it. Yeah. We need it because we have to make videos and stuff. Right. But like, it's where we live in. But shifting our relationship to it, right? It it changes it. And it was different than like, wow, I it, it was way different feeling than when I got my first nursing paycheck, even though that took me like seven years to become a nurse because I kept changing, you know. And when I got my first paycheck as a nurse, I remember being like, that's it. They took out all those taxes. Like I was pissed. And then I was like, oh, it's fine. It became my new norm, right? I'm like, well, I'm I'm liking what I'm doing. Now I'm really loving. I'm I'm actually it's not even liking. I'm like I'm being with what I'm doing. Like it's just being. Like it's not it doesn't feel like work. That's why Maria and I are like if it feels like work, we're we have we're to done. pause. Right. Yeah, like we're pause. like whatever it is in the business yeah. that starts to feel like okay, this is like not to say things don't take intention and energy and action, right? Mm -hmm. Like a lot of what we do, obviously we have to put into action all this beautiful stuff we're creating. But if it's feeling like work or maybe not aligned, or it's like, we're trying too hard, Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, let's take a step back because this now doesn't feel good. Yeah. This doesn't feel good anymore. It was a great idea a year ago. Now it's not aligned with what we're offering or what we want to do. And that's why we want to like have these humbling money exchanges, like we're exchanging energy for money because we have it's something we have to do. But it doesn't mean we're doing it for the money. Right. So when I got that check, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna message him and say how gra- grateful I am because I was crying. And I was like, oh wait, then this like part came in. I was like, no, I'm the coach. Like I don't give someone thanks like that to give me money. It's like, no, I'm going to because that's mm-hmm. a very ego fuck that we've been co-creating together for right. his transformation right and so and yours as well <laughs> and mine well because i learned from every client as as do you right like that's what you sh- that's what should be happening like yep i know should is a bad word but like it happens organically mm-hmm. right because you're coming from a safe space of love the things just happen and like that's why it also helped me release my attachment to money because i'm like the more i stand in me and my light and and honor what makes me happy or doesn't, that's going to come to me. Mm-hmm. And it also makes me aware that if there is something that comes up in the business that we don't want to do, we can pay that person because we don't have to do it. Because mm-hmm. like we realize that that's going to pull us out of our cre- creativeness. And there's someone else here that actually really enjoys that part. So let me pay them to do it, mm-hmm. you know? And it's a really beautiful place because it's like being that emperor rather than the modern. Like I'm not going to sacrifice all my time to do this if it's not fulfilling to me, like if it's a chore, right? Like mm-hmm. it needs to feel good. Yep. And so you can shift any relationship you have in your life by taking a step back and checking in with you. And it's like, does this make me happy? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, yep. Does it make me feel safe? Yep. And you use such a powerful phrase or two words together, immediate gratification, because that's another way that you can because as you were talking, I before you said the words, I'm hearing spirit. They're like, yeah, you went from immediate gratification to gratitude because they're two oh, very yeah. Because yeah. I felt it in my my whole Correct. body was warm and gooey, and I was like, Correct. 
because again, <laughs> the intention behind it was very different. Mm. So it was like when you got the money, yeah, it's a nice chunk of money, right? But it was like when you got the money, it wasn't about the immediate gratification because your intention for doing the coaching, for doing the readings and the healings in this business is not for the money. Like we said, it's coming from passion in the heart and in the sacral chakra. So it was like mm-hmm. when it happened, you were overwhelmed with gratitude instead of that feeling of immediate gratification. And I feel like that's so important to highlight because that's another way you can check in with yourself and your body. Start noticing when you're just getting immediate gratification because that's like using the vices again. That's what vices bring us. Mm-hmm. It's an immediate gratification. I'm going to hit this joint because it's going to get me high in about 30 seconds. There's immediate gratification, right? Mm-hmm. It feels different in the body than the energy of gratitude. Like gratitude to me is just, it's almost like overwhelming when mm-hmm. I really connect with the energy of it because it's like it's like euphoria. But, but yet also grounding at the same time is just weird. It's just like, it, it's because I feel like it comes up and then your heart chakra opens. is like, boom. And yeah. you're like, whoa, this is like intense. Yeah. And it's like, it wasn't about the money. Mm-hmm. It was actually about being seen and heard for the value mm-hmm. that you offer in your services to your clients. And you were, but it, and again, Yes, it was being seen and heard by the external, but it's because you already saw your worth, right? So it was like it amplified it. And it's a perfect example of how I say other people can add to our happiness. That's a perfect example of Mm -hmm. they didn't create happiness for her. That situation didn't, didn't instill her happiness. She had already found it. And then it was like, basically a validation, a mirror. Here's your mirror of what you're holding inside of you now. And when you had also said with the bartending, it was immediate gratification. Mm -hmm. I could also equate that to nursing in a sense, not in a money way, but I, it it goes into the martyr, the martyr role and the hero complex. I got immediate gratification when I was helping Mm. my clients. Mm -hmm. I felt good about myself because I could help them. Mm -hmm. I could heal them, right? I could provide that to them, to someone who I perceive to be more in a a more vulnerable situation because they're sick or whatever they're there for. So it's like that was immediate gratification. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened. That's where I believe compassion fatigue happens and burnout because most of us are seeking that in the nursing field or or any sort of service to other that service to humanity because it's how it's been programmed. And so it's like, we feel great when we're doing it. I feel like that's why I, I literally poured myself into my job because I felt it was the only place I felt confident. Why? Oh, because I was a good nurse. I felt good about me when I was helping other people, healing other people, mm-hmm. but then I'm out, then I'm not there. So now what? Mm-hmm. Cause I'm not helping and healing me right? The one person that needed it the most. And so that's why I feel like this business feels different to me when I'm act- I am helping other people, but in a completely different way. I'm helping people to step into their empowerment by me doing it for myself. I couldn't help people do that if I haven't done it for myself. I would not know how to coach somebody how to do it if I haven't lived it, if I don't live it every day. Mm-hmm. And that's why for us, it's all about us first, but not in a selfish way. It's like, we know we actually serve humanity better through our energy. 
And if our energy is coming again from that lack or we're looking for immediate gratification, Mm -hmm. it's never going to feel fulfilling to us, nor is it to them. That's why you see the same patients all the time, right? Oh yeah, I did a great job healing them in that. And here they're back again. But you're not really they're back anybody. Exactly. Exactly. I don't, I'm saying that because that's the belief is that you're healing somebody. I've already, I've already said multiple Mm -hmm. times, I don't heal anyone. Right. But that's the program of the nurse. That's that hero complex and the doctors that we are healing people. And Mm -hmm. we're not because look how sick everybody is and look at the um, frequent flyers and no matter what kind of nursing or healthcare you do, it's frequent flyers because we're not healing anyone. We can't, we don't have the ability to, Mm -hmm. we can share our loving energy for them to start to realize like that they're lacking their own. And then that's where we guide people on returning to that relationship with self. And that's Mm -hmm. really, that's really, um, the sacral chakra. It's, I mean, it's all the chakras, but that relationship energy has to start with self first. We will never co-create intimate, fulfilling relationships externally, whether that's with money, whether that's with people, whether that's with jobs, we'll never co-create that if we haven't first harnessed that inside. To to see that we're missing that, right? Like, so one tip before we, you know, head off for the night, because we just love you guys, (laughs) is to really shift into that emperor empress energy is to check in with your body. Like we were saying, to envision yourself in the, in the best possible you without any expectations and just be like, wow, and be curious about how you are. What are you feeling? And then let those emotions drive you forward and do something creative, go outside, shut, shut off the everything, all electronics Mm -hmm. or have a stimulating conversation with somebody and see how you feel after versus sitting there numbing out on TV, have a stimulating conversation Mm -hmm. and notice how your body receives that and responds. So we love you. And we're here to Bring us all into a very functional chakra. (laughs) Yes. Balance those chakras, people. Listen to your body. And most importantly, start learning to love yourself because that is where it all begins. We love you and we'll see you on the other side. We appreciate you so much for listening to today's episode of Shamanic Soul Sistars. We hope you continue to tune in weekly. We trust that you received what was most needed for your highest and best with today's episode. Remember, you are limitless. And to pause each day to take a couple of moments for you. You are worthy and wonderful just the way you are. Thank you again and see you on the other side.